Hello and welcome everybody to the second episode of Socks and Jocks. My name is Thomas Vickers. Here with me is my co-host, Josh Glazeman. Josh, say hello. Hey, hey. And uh, our guest today for our second episode is none other than the Senior Director of Tickets and Promotions for the Lancaster Jethawks. He has been a media director, an assistant GM, a GM, and uh, most famously, he was my old boss. Uh, so uh, let me welcome uh, Buck Rogers. Buck, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Now I'm gonna say that I uh, I did drop the ball. You had no idea, but I did not know you were in California. So when you said four o'clock, which time? It confused the hell out of me. Yeah, I bounced around a little bit. But uh, other than that, the only other thing I gotta say before we start this is that it was fajita night uh, or fajita day. Because we got all the uh, brass down from Philadelphia, so if I have to run for like 30 seconds into the bathroom, just continue on without me. Nothing wrong with that. your calls, you answer. <laughs> uh, we do uh, always start out, I don't know if you listened to our, uh, our first episode, but we do start out with the dead C-list celebrities of the week. Uh, we, had, we, had, we had a couple. The first is uh, Chief Z. The uh, uh, Washington Redskins superfan who always used to dress up as a Redskin, uh, kind of like the fireman Ed of the Jets, and uh, he passed away, I think, in 97, so RIP to Chief Z. The other one was Gugu Zulu. Yes, that is a real name. He was a rally car driver out in India or Pakistan, one of those places, and uh, he actually died climbing Mount Kilimanjaro, so RIP to Gugu. Wow. <laughs> that's uh, that's it's a rough you get, one. You're gonna check out. You may as well do it in style. <laughs> that's right, Josh. I believe you had one for us too before we get started. I I do. It's uh, R.I.P. to Kyle Callaway, a former offensive tackle for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, was jogging alongside the train track and got hit by a train and died. Oh, that's a rough way to go out, man. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I think I think the craziest thing is if he was offensive tackle tackle. So he shouldn't have been out jogging anyway. Like, if you're 6'7", 323 pounds, when he's listed today, you probably shouldn't be jogging anyway. That's just... You're not meant for it. That's, that size should have jogged. Let me just put it this way. Did he have earbuds in or was he chasing Pokemon? <laughs> That's a good question. So, there has to be a story behind that. You're not jogging on a railroad track. Just hit by a train without being totally distracted by something. Yeah, but I feel like that's the cool thing to do in like the old school movies. Was like, oh, you're jogging on train tracks, and then, uh, well, you know, you, you never see him actually get hit by the train, but you know it's coming. Yeah, you gotta feel it coming, right? Like, I feel like the ground would be shaking at least a little bit. Well, when you're like when you're an offensive lineman, the ground probably shakes anyway, so there's no chance you're gonna hear it. That, that's fair. Before we get started into our fucked up questions, uh, if you want to just let everyone know how you actually got started in baseball, because uh, I know you were in the military for a while, we'll go into that, uh, but how did you actually get your first uh, step into the door of the baseball world? I was, uh, I was an infantry guy in 82nd Airborne over at Fort Bragg, and uh, when we weren't invading third world countries or out on training missions and that type stuff, I used to take my guys out to the neighborhood minor league park. It was the Fayetteville Generals. It was the low AT for the Detroit Tigers. Got to know the staff real well, and I said, man, you guys should hire somebody former military. There's a couple military installations here at Fort Bragg, Hope Air Force Base. 
I said, they get to access, start getting groups and have a tie-in with the military, which can only help your attendance. Little did I know, I had a parachuting accident a year or two earlier before then, I was rehabbing and whatnot. And ultimately, I got a medical discharge and they offered me the job. I got to know the staff real well over a couple of years and uh, they kind of talked me into it. And I said, I don't have a sports management degree. They said, you know enough about our operation. And uh, so I took a chance and well, here I am in year 20. I, I definitely would have pegged you just strolled up with some guns and said, give me a job. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty crazy situation because everybody who is in that town to this day is a GM. Well, well, except me, I've been a GM, five different teams. But Tim Mueller was there. Tim is the GM in West Virginia. Brad Taylor was there. Brad's the GM in uh, El Paso. Uh, there was a guy named Scott Zapko there. Scott is the GM of a couple soccer teams in Greensboro, North Carolina. Everybody who's on that staff made it. It was a complete hellhole in Fayetteville, this old ballpark we had to work in. It was built for two years, and the team played 14 years in it because they never built the, uh, the big, new, beautiful ballpark downtown, although that's in the conversation now that Fayetteville's getting baseball back. So we'll see. Well, we'll make sure to hit you up for all their contact information and make them come on the podcast. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're gonna we're gonna get into it right here with a couple uh, uh, topics to bring up. The first one, Buck, if you listened, is uh, MJ versus LeBron. Again, this has nothing to do with their basketball or anything. This is just straight Michael Jordan, LeBron. Who do you want? And the first one we're gonna do because uh, you were in the military is who do you think is would be a better soldier? Who do you want in the foxhole with you? I'm gonna go to you first, Buck. I'm going with Jordan. He's old school. Um, no matter the adversity and whatnot, uh, and he sucked it up through some crap teams. LeBron, uh, they're, both, they're both good. Let's just let's put the cards on the table. They're both good. But I'm going to go with the old school guy because the old school guy plays smarter. The young guys all flash in the pan. The old guys always win out. They're yep. craftier. They're sneakier. Yeah, and I, I think our military was was much harder back in the day. I think I think we've gotten soft. I, I think we've gotten soft. And, uh, you know, they, I don't know how many people are, are jumping out of parachutes nowadays. We're just sending over drones. So I, I like your answer. Josh, what do you got? Uh, give me Jordan. I mean, he was known on the court as a cold-blooded killer. And, you know, you put a rifle in his hand, and he's going to keep you safe. Yeah. Well, he he was the better shooter. He was the better shooter. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with that one. I'm gonna go Jordan as well. I think it's more LeBron doesn't do well with listening to the people above him. So he wouldn't be taking orders. They'd tell him to go do something, and he would just go off and do something else. It might work out better, but he would definitely would not listen to authority. The second one, uh, we got the RNC going on in Cleveland. So I want to know who do you want as president, MJ or LeBron? Jordan. Why Jordan? Hey, he's old school. He's been around the block longer and stuff like that. He's, he's owned a, base, a basketball team. He's went through adversity. His dad died and get killed. Um, there's there's a whole bunch of different reasons why. But I think he's been through more career hassles. LeBron went from uh, went to high school. He went right into the NBA. He didn't have to go through college ball. And he was that good. That's great. But I think experience leads out. If you want to put somebody in a in a high pressure position like as the president, they better have a resume. I got you, Josh. Who you got? Um, as long as they don't bring back the draft, because Michael Jordan might be the worst drafter in history, I'm going Jordan. <laughs> I'm going to throw a wild card at you both, and I don't want either of them. 
one, Jordan is too much of a gambling man now to to ever do anything with our deficit. He'd he'd throw our entire deficit on black and hope that it hit. And uh, I, the one that I think that actually would get voted though is LeBron because LeBron is great with manipulating people. He's he's kind of he's he's just he's trumping. He would trump his way through this and just get the crowd rallied up and everyone would vote for him. And I I respect it. At least people in Cleveland and Miami. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. He would if if LeBron was running the RNC right now in Cleveland, the place would be the place might burn down. You can't be president unless you win Florida and Ohio anyway. So, so let's let's get into one more before we we start getting into uh, uh, into uh, your your actual personal job, Buck. Um, one question we asked our, our former guest Kevin, which I'm going to bring back: who uh, who do you think should actually get paid more? Is it college athletes or professional sports staff like ourselves, like the grounds crew and uh, the sales team, clubhouse guys? Well, I, I think it's all in perspective, and I think it's the same way with scholarships. If you play in a sport that brings in millions and millions of dollars, it should be it should be rationed on out. You take 100% of the pie and you say, okay, if Ohio State's football team brings this much money to the athletic department, then the athletic department, the football team should get this much piece of the pie, the swimming team should get this much piece of the pie, and so on and so on and so on. Now, from a front office staff point of view, you know, we do we suck up a lot of jobs, and most people on the sports staffs are underpaid. I'll be the first one to admit that. It all comes down to, again, what do you bring to the table in the grand scheme of things for the budget? Yep. So if you're ultra selling and you bring in a large chunk of the change, maybe you should make more money. I don't know. That's just an opinion. No, that's a, it's a good opinion. That's what we want on here. Um, you know, and, and I, I, I can't decide yet if I am in favor of paying college athletes or if, you know, if they should get a big check after they get out of college um, for the, you know, the years that they have played. But, you know, and as far as us, you know, if a team is winning all these games like the Cubs, uh, you know, the, um, the Orioles are doing well this year. Uh, you know, the I feel like the sales staff and the grounds, you know, should definitely get a little bonus, and I guess they do. Uh, you know, when the, their teams make the postseason, all uh, all all employees get little bonuses, and you may even get a ring out of it. So it's a it's a good debate topic. I like to bring it up and see uh, where everyone's heads are at. Problem is, is if you do think you're underpaid and you want to leave, there's about four million people that are trying to get your job. Yep, that's the way it is. Yeah, which it, which. You know, you Yeah, I guess I guess we could switch the whole conversation to who should get paid more, college football athletes or minor league baseball players. Yeah, I think but you gotta look at it's all gotta be in perspective. Yep. Yeah. I, uh, you, know, you can't take a lacrosse team from Pigs Knuckle, Arkansas University. It doesn't even register, and, and nobody's ever heard of them. And you can't give them full ride scholarships or whatever and pay them a hundred thousand dollars a person. I mean, it's got to be in perspective. What do you bring into the university? And ticket sales, sponsorships, and so on and so forth. I agree, though. If you're playing sports, there ought to be some type of scholarship for every athlete. Yep. But again. If you're you're in the math department and you're helping design a new rocket engine for NASA, and your science department is, or something like that, there should be some scholarships in there as well. If you're contributing something, yep. So I, I don't uh, think it should just be athletes. Uh, let's get into our actual interview with you now that we had a little fun on some other topics. Josh, why don't you start it off? All right. Uh, first question: Army, Navy, Marines, Air Force. 
who has the hottest chick? Ah, there's a good question. <laughs> I would have to say the Air Force. Because the Air Force traditionally has the people that avoid, and I say this from experience because I got a twin brother that was Air Force. I have two older sisters that were Army. Dad was Navy. So I will put it this way. The Air Force traditionally full of guys who laugh at the, uh, at the other services. Like, we're not going to do this physical stuff. When we get deployed, we get air conditioning rooms at hotels that you guys are sleeping out in the woods on an anthill and so on and so forth. And uh, so I think the people who are love skirting and love staying pretty and all that kind of good stuff are in the Air Force. I got I got you. I don't I would say that I would say them too. Maybe uh you know, I think a military chick, you know, I don't want anyone that can kick the shit out of me. So. <laughs> it's a crazy life. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure you, you had a couple military girls in your day, Buck. I uh I let's just say I don't want to see you. And I'll <laughs> leave it at that. My wife might be listening in someday. Uh, tell uh tell Babs I said hi. I will definitely pass that on. <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, you've been known for your crazy promotions. I personally, I personally think your the senior director of ticket and promotions is like the position that was made for you, GM, assistant GM, whatever. You're made to do promotions and ticket sales. So I'm gonna just fill in the audience uh, and correct me if I'm wrong. But one of them was lifetime tickets for anyone that got a tattoo of the your team's logo. That was huge. That was uh, ESPN the magazine's promotion of the year in 2002. And how many did you get? 17 people took a spot. And after that fact, a lot of teams jumped out and did something similar. I was in Daytona Beach, Speed Week, you know, in, in February, right after the Super Bowl. And they go into Bike Weeks and Spring Break, College Reunion, Black College Reunion, just Arts and Craft Festivals. It goes into everything and anything. And I shut the office down one day for bike week, and I walked the staff around town, and I said, I want you guys to write down all the ideas how bike week uh, advertises and markets themselves. And one of the things we all looked at was everybody at Harley-Davidson tattoos. And I, I gathered the staff around, and I grabbed one guy, and I said, excuse me, sir, did Harley-Davidson pay for that tattoo? No. Did Harley-Davidson give you a $1,000 discount on your next motorcycle? No. Did they give you a free leather jacket? No. Why did you get the tattoo? It's my brand. Okay. I went back to work and I looked up on, on the internet, Forbes magazine ranks Harley-Davidson as the number one company in the world for repeat customer service, you know, and, and customer satisfaction. They're treated right. So I said, what are the odds if somebody would get a little minor league baseball team's tattoo? And everybody laughed at me. And I said, no, no, no. What if we incentivize them? They go, what are you talking about? I go, you know, what if we brokered a deal, a sponsorship with a tattoo company, and you had to go to one place to get it, that guy got recognition, and then you got a little three-inch tattoo, and it was for life. I said, what would you do for that? So most of the staff said, well, you'd have to give me a ticket every day for the rest of my life. And I go, okay. So I said, if we're permanent on your body, your body's permanent in our ballpark. And that quote got used around the world. It hit. So we signed a deal, and in Daytona Beach, there are no tattoo parlors. It's illegal. So we had to go to the next town up of Ormond Beach, and there was a place called Tropical Tattoo. We went in there and met a guy who was a registered nurse at the hospital, very sanitary, very clean facility. He said, I don't have much money for advertising. I said, what if everybody brought their business to you, not the tattoo parlor, but to you? I think he paid a grand total of 600 bucks for that sponsorship. Wow. And he got worldwide recognition. And uh, he did the tattoo for 100 bucks, a three-inch tattoo of a Daytona Cubs head. 
weeks, and a couple of the tattoo parlors we visited first, they flipped out. They said, you pitch that to us. And I said, I told you everybody was pitching it. If you sit too long, somebody's going to sign it for you. So anyways, uh, so I was on NPR, National Public Radio. I was doing a live interview from the Speedway in Daytona. And they said, how can you justify this, giving away tickets? I said, at that time, our season ticket was 210 bucks for a general admission seat. Yep. 210 bucks. All right? In Daytona Beach, you're in a shirt sleeve environment most of the year. Most of the people are going to get the tattoo on their upper forearm, you know, or upper arm, tricep, you know, shoulder area, something like that. Only the hardcore fans are going to get this tattoo. An average fan isn't going to get it. So if you got a tattoo, and I gave them basically $210. Now I want you to do the math on this. $210 divided by 365 days a year comes up to 57 and a half cents. Let me ask you something. Thomas Vickers, if I told you to go stand on the corner in Lancaster, California, and hold up a sign for three hours a day that says, game tonight, and I'm going to pay you 57 and a half cents, would you do it? No chance in hell. No. But... 17 people have a color tattoo that are going to get asked 24 hours a day, hey, what's with the tattoo? What's that all about? And they have to tell our story. Expensive advertising. I wrote the whole promotion off for advertising purposes. And it worked like a chance. I am sure, I'm sure that, I'm sure that those people when they're 85 years old will not regret that tattoo. No, one of them just passed away. One of the ladies that got it at the time was 64. She was a grandmother. She just passed away. <laughs> 64? Uh, 30 or a, couple, a couple months ago. I be in touch with a lot of them. So. I like that's uh, that's good to hear. Well, me and Josh came up with uh, a couple promotions. I feel like you haven't had that big ESPN the magazine cover one in a, in a little while. So me and Josh have come up with a few promotions that uh, that we think might get you the cover again. All right. We just we want you to listen That's to. Great ideas. We want you we want you to listen to them. Uh, you know, just give us a quick opinion on them. We're gonna spitfire them real quick, and then uh, if you like them, you got to give us credit. All right, so the uh, the first one I'm going to do, and then Josh will go, is uh, wife swap night, where if you bring your wife and swap her out with another wife of another person, uh, you get your tickets half off to next game as long as you do return that wife. Well, I think you're going to have trouble today with that one unless you go take it down to a beer garden. Well, I mean... And you say, you know, if, it, if anything goes night, so it doesn't necessarily have to be your wife, maybe your girlfriend. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think or, you know, the, general, the general public, of course, is not going to jump all over that one. But uh, I see where you're going with this. But half the grounds would be out here. Yeah, I mean, it's not for everyone, but it's for some. It's a niche market. It's a, yeah, yeah, it, so that's, that's a great one for the grounds crew. Yeah, I mean, California, California's out there, man. You you gotta you gotta expand the mind a little bit. Yeah, I, I gotta tell you, it's a it's a crazy world, California. Kind of similar to the uh, the white swap idea, or same same neck of the woods at least. Uh, try and get a like Trojan, you know, like condoms that maybe sponsor at night, like a safe sex night. And uh, anybody who brings in another brand condom will be given a Trojan condom instead, and then a free ticket. And then you guys could like take those old condoms and you know donate them to like the health clinic, and maybe get some sort of tax right off of that. Yeah, again, that's one of those subjects that people are going to shy away from, the birth control things and so on and so forth. People get up in arms over that crap. I mean, just, so to, go, just to go along with, with the health thing, what about, like, colonoscopy night? You know, now you, you, if you tie in a, a clinic, you tie in a hospital, you tie in something like that, you're in. <laughs> you tie in a health department, you're in. If you do something for a greater good where there's a problem out in the community, nobody's going to argue that. 
you know, a colonoscopy night, if you want to promote that and tie it in with a, a colon cancer night, there's enough that going around. My dad passed away of colon cancer. You know, I've had two large uh, masses removed for myself, or uh, they caught it early. They said it was it was a death sentence if they wouldn't have caught it. Then I did it way before I turned fifty. That, see, I'm um, I'm just I'm saving lives out here just being a minor league baseball. Yeah, but I guess what I'm saying is you got to get a cancer institute and a hospital behind that, and that's a good civic civil service or civic night where you're doing a, a service to the community. You know, we poke fun at it in minor league baseball. We laugh. We do a lot of crazy, stupid stuff. But there's a lot of things we do do that the public doesn't, I guess, tie in on and appreciate. Is, you know, when the guys get prostate exams while they're singing Take Me Out to the Ball Game. That's... You know, I, like a couple of years ago. Is he you really... Know, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing... He message you brought. I'm guessing he's, he was really hitting the high notes. Yeah, I guess so. You know, <laughs> Josh, saying uh, high falsetto and stuff like that. But, you know, we can laugh about that and say, well, gee, that's pretty crazy and so on and so forth. But it got some national attention, and anytime you draw national attention to a problem where, hey, go look at cancer.org. Almost as many guys, or if there are more guys now, that die of prostate cancer than breast cancer. But the women get all the funding for Susan G. Coleman. They got that pink ribbon campaign. The NFL guys wear pink the whole month of October. What do they do for the guys? Nothing. They don't like these guys. Don't go to the doctor. Yeah, they should so be. if a minor league baseball team can take that and run it up the flagpole, and do a, a you know a crazy promotion with it, bring some awareness to it. I salute that. I'm smarter than the NFL, is what you're saying. You're smarter than the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say uh, maybe a night where anybody who comes in a cutoff T-shirt gets a half price off their ticket, and they'll call it a abolish slavery day. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> I thought you were gonna go with something like George Night or something. Uh, I don't. I don't uh, think. You know, George is a Florida Gator thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no one's wearing, uh, no one's wearing George and Cali. A cut-off T-shirt night? Why don't you just get something where you bring in the enemy's T-shirt and just tear it on up, shred it on up, and get a T-shirt at the gate of, of the team? Yeah, you like, know, like, everybody hates the Cubs for the most part. Why don't you just wear your Cubs shirts in the ballpark and tear them up here, and we'll give you a brand-new shirt at the gate by our logo or the it's like a, Cubs it, logo? It's kind of like book burning, but with your enemy's T-shirt. Yeah, why not? You know, put some decals in the urinals of your of the team that night, so everybody go in there and urinate on their decal, or put some waterproof decals in the toilet bowls and stuff. You know, just hey, we're gonna take it to these guys tonight. This is the way it is, and make sure you're playing that team. Yeah, the uh, the last one I have, which could be a winner, is laundry night, where everyone brings in their laundry and the clubhouse does it during the game. Can you imagine the nightmare for clubhouse guys? <laughs> I figured Josh would. I figured Josh would like that. I would walk out that night. I would leave. I would quit. You'd have to go get those tied laundry trucks. You know, and there's some companies running around here that's called uh, like Shower to the People instead of Power to the People, and they do like uh, showers for homeless people. You know, they have those tied trucks that do laundry for people. It's real similar. They go around when there's like uh, hurricanes and the power's out, and they pull big semi trucks up, and they have water tanks on board, and they bring laundry in and do it. You'd have to tie in. Uh, a major sponsorship with like Tide or one of those like, one of those companies, all Cheer or something like that. But you know why not? I'm I'm just trying to make you know, this. Why not have a night where the where the family comes on out here and some lucky family wins tickets and bring your laundry and the clubhouse guys do it and maybe while the game's going on you have two of the ground crew over at the house cutting their grass and and trimming the hedges and stuff like that. And, I, don't, know, I, don't, I don't. I don't. I don't want you to. I don't want you to. 
I don't want you to rope the grounds crew in on this. I want Josh to do as much work as possible in the clubhouse. I have three, <laughs> I have three household washing machines in my clubhouse, yeah, I mean, so I would, uh, yes, it wouldn't, it wouldn't end well for me. <laughs> Josh, yeah, uh, that's, a, that's a walk off the job night right there. Yeah. So I've seen a lot of crazy promotions, uh, but I think the fav- my favorite one it was just uh, it was in a promotional schedule I was given to given by the uh, New Orleans Vipers, and they had half pint brawlers midget wrestling night. And yeah, that's crazy. That's about as minor league as it gets. <laughs> I don't know if I fully understand that one. I've seen midget tossing. I've seen wrestling. <laughs> when I was in Huntsville, we had a miniature Elvis come in by his name's Little E. You can book him for like fifteen hundred bucks a game. You know, he came in and we did radio interviews with him. He mixed it up with the crowd and danced, and he looked just like Elvis. Only he was like three feet tall. He's a great guy. I don't think he put any more butts in the seat. So that's the whole thing. When you put the effort into these promotions, it has to have some results. If it's not going to put butts in the seat. You have to stop and say, what did we do wrong? Was the timing wrong? What did we do right? What can we do better? Do we just scrap this thing or do we do it later in the year? you got to find out what happened. You can't not do promotions. Fans are expecting that in minor league baseball. But in the end, if it didn't work, you got to real quick sort out why and what you could do better if you want to do it again. If not, you got to scrap it. Yeah. you got to scrap it. You can't put a lot of effort into a night that doesn't put butts in the seat. Especially if they're miniature, the if, especially if they're miniature butts. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> the, the, the little the little seeds got me. But uh, you've worked in a variety of cities, and one thing I've noticed with minor league baseball is there's always a uh, you know your regular fans who show up in every game and just they yep. just wear that minor league team hard on their sleeve, and they're usually characters. There's always something weird about them. Which city has the weirdest regulars? Um, wow. We're going to stick with weirdest? Or most yeah. hardcore? Or just... No, just strange. Which one had the strangest? Strange. Strange. Um, wow. Let me think for a second. I'm in Lancaster right now, and everybody here, um, this team's been here for 21 years, and there's some really quirkiness here. Daytona has the most hardcore fans I've ever met. In any city, anywhere, bar none. Daytona. Daytona Beach. In Huntsville, and I've been in Brevard, I've been in Fayetteville. Let me think here. I think Huntsville probably has some weird ones. It's pretty crazy. There's some weird ones. From what I remember, there there weren't too many normal people. My favorite one up here in Williamsport, there's a guy, and he sits right next to the coaches. And he always has sugar-free red man just falling out of his mouth. Just always <laughs> wow. it. But there was one night, so he had his red man in as usual, and didn't take it out and proceeded to eat an ice cream cone. And that, was a, that was a new well for me in my league base. Seeing that. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, Buck, I got, uh, I got one for you. You tweeted out a picture maybe four or five days ago, maybe a week ago, of the amount of soda that you had drank in one day, and I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you, yeah. the, I'm gonna give you the recap of that for our viewers. It was two and a half, two liters of Diet Dew, 
and three 20 ounces of Diet Coke, which adds up to a grand total of 1.5 gallons of soda. And I'm guessing that was throughout yeah. the course of the day. So 24 hours, you had that? No, that was from the morning till I went home. Oh my god, that's that's impressive. I got there like seven thirty in the morning, and I was tired, and uh, and that was so I went home like eleven o'clock at night. So that was one hundred and ninety-two ounces that day. Are you seeing any sort of like sponsorship dollars from them for drinking that much and basically keeping them? We're we're at Coke Ballpark out here, and I will tell you this: I love Diet Coke. I love Diet Coke with lime, but you can't find it everywhere. But. I did it in Huntsville. I did it in Huntsville. Those guys bet on me, and I didn't know it. And I don't know if you were in on it, Thomas. One day, I caught the guys rifling through my trash, and the staff took a bet on an over and under how much I'd drink in a 24-hour period. And I caught them rifling through my trash. I came into my office. I go, what are you guys doing? Nothing. We're just taking your trash out. I go, no, you're not. There's something going on here. And they messed up. I got it out of them. They had a bet. They had an office pool, and I don't know what year it was of how much soda I would drink in a 24-hour day. And they go through my garbage. They'd watch me during the day what I was drinking and so on and so forth. But that day, they, and I didn't know what I drank, but in that 24-hour period, they found four empty two liters. So I drank eight liters in that 24-hour period. Now, I don't know what I had at lunch at some restaurant or something like that. But I'm a huge... Thing, but I caught them actually betting on me. I'm a huge gambler, so I would have took the over. I'm a huge over guy. There you go. Um... Josh, uh, you got anything else? What are the, what are the questions you got? I got I got one more for him, so you uh, you go. Yeah, I got, I got one more. What uh, what's the one promotion you look back on and just re- which one do you regret the most? I had one. Well, first off, if you don't try it, you're never going to find out if it's going to work or not. I had one way back in Fayetteville in the year 2000. We had a female uh, female Howard Stern in town, and the ratings were in the tank. And they came on over and they said, hey, we need help fixing this. Our show is a little AM station that covers our games. And we did some advertising with them. Can you help us out? I go, why don't you sponsor this Air Force night with Pope Air Force Base? So we got them all in. The female, Howard Stern, name was Madeline Raymond. And she had like 48 double Ds. On Thursday, she did the dress down day. She did her show sitting there in the nude on the air. And I, I, I called into her show and I said, let's. Let's do a bet. Let's do a War of the Worlds. You guys, I don't know if you know the whole story of the War of the Worlds from 1929 or whatever it was, where they faked the invasion from Mars. Yeah. Okay, so they warned everybody. It was a big setup. So when they came back from commercial, they started talking again, and then boom, a news break came in of unidentified flying objects, blah, blah, blah. And everybody bought into this. Yep. They were being invaded by aliens. People were committing suicide. I mean, there's a lot of issues going on. And if you'd have listened in from the start, well, you'd have known it was a big gang. But it got out of control and so on and so forth. So I, I was on Madeline Raymond's show, and I said, why would you do something like that? Why don't we do something? And I, and I said, I'll set this up where you come in like Morgana the Kissing Bandit. She goes, who's that? I go, well, it's this woman that goes to Major League Parks. And she's got 66 double Ds, and she sneaks out on field, and she kisses the third base coach, and usually gets arrested. But her, her shtick is she gets out on the field. I said, why don't I call your show? We'll segue into to, uh, Morgana the Kissing Bandit, and you'll say, I can do that at your ballpark, and I'll say, no, you can't. We're not going to interrupt the game. You know, it'll be a security issue, and then uh, and then we'll just play it from there. But we'll tell everybody we're doing it. And so we did. It was going to be a whole political uh, publicity stunt. So off we go, and we start talking about it, and we get into it, and I dare her to come out to the ballpark um, to see if she can get on the field. 
And, uh, and I told them, I bet you security. And we made a bet. And the bet was, if she got on field, she got to shave my head after the game. Oh, shit. <laughs> if she didn't get on field, if she didn't get on field, then for one of our games, I got to sit down and she was my personal waitress. Run to the concession stand and get me this. And, yep. You know, get my back and call during the game. I was in the Army for 14 years. Getting my head shaved is nothing. But for most people, getting your head shaved, that's... You know, it takes an act of Congress, but for me, I don't care. It's just hair, you know. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be and, in uh, for it. So did. So who won yeah, the who won the vet? Yeah. So the game comes around, and we leave the gate open where she's going to run on the field, and we tip off both managers. And the third baseman is a guy named Scott Zetch. And Scott, we told him, we said, Scott, this girl's going to come out on field. She's going to give you a kiss. We're going to have her arrested. The managers know. The umpires know. Our team knows. Our security people know. The press box people know. Publicity stunt, and we packed the place on out that night. Everybody's coming to you, she can get out of the field. I'm feeling pretty good. Until Madeline comes up to me before and even says, Fuck, I got a crazy idea. I got a really crazy idea. I got a flesh covered sports bra on. What if I flash the guy? <laughs> and, and I'm thinking, Wait a minute. She doesn't really, not really going to show her hooters. So, really, all we're going to do is people are going to know that she's on the field. She tears open her shirt. Therefore, she must be naked underneath, even though she's not. We'll be the talk of the town for two weeks. I like it. So without, without getting anybody's confirmation from any, any GM or anybody like that, me and Madeline set this thing on up. So she goes out on the field, and one of two crazy things just happened. The first one was Scott Vetch got injured during pregame warm-ups, and the backup third baseman was in the game. His name was Willie Oropesa from Venezuela. He spoke no English, and he knew nothing about what was going to happen. Second of all, the really hot young Latino wife just flew in from Venezuela sitting up in the stands. She just came into town an hour earlier. So Madeline goes out, tries to give him a kiss. Willie's pushing her away. She tears her shirt open. The crowd goes nuts. This Mrs. Aura pays up in the stands is going, wanting to rip out Madeline's throat and crap down her neck. And Madeline's running around the field with the sheriff's deputy chasing after her, and he can't catch her. She's too old. <laughs> the crowd is laughing their butts off. I run with our GM into my office. I had teeth marks in my hand. I was biting out of my hand to stop myself from laughing so hard. And ultimately, we had Madeline caught and escorted off property. We didn't have her arrested. Lo and behold, in the state of North Carolina, a woman can walk down the street topless. It's not against the law. So Madeline goes on vacation. She goes out to the Carolina shore. The news crews descend on the stadium. What are you going to do? Uh, this is just wrong. She wrecked our game. Blah, 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 blah. They fly out. They find her on the beach. And she says, I'll be back in 72 hours. I'll be back on the air. You're going to see. Everybody knows, wants to know the truth here. And I'm going to tell you, blah, 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 and the whole story. Their ratings went through the roof. It got exposed that myself and Madeline set this up. And in the long run, I guess, so a long roundabout story, do I regret it? Yeah, it could have been better performed. We got our crowd out of it, so I really didn't have to do an extra stunt. And it probably gave us a little bit of taste of it. probably wasn't family atmosphere doing what we did. But, but, she never really flashed anything. There were people calling the sheriff's office saying she did, but she never did. She had a flesh-covered sports bra on. So they're turning in false reports because, like you've seen in Psycho, the movie, Alfred Hitchcock movie, The Girl in the Shower, you've seen the shower curtain go back, you've seen the knife go forward, but you've never seen the knife touch the body. Yet you testify in a court of law that she got stabbed in the shower, but you never see the knife hit the body. And that's what we did. I, I closed my eyes I, I closed my eyes during that part because I was scared so I wouldn't have been able to tell anything. Also, uh, there's no such thing as bad publicity, so I'm on your side. Yeah. The, uh, we're talking the ratings went the roof. We sold a crap ton of tickets. In the end, it was a good laugh. 
the uh, the last question I got for you, and then we'll we'll let you go. There's a new story that just came out maybe a week ago of Daryl Strawberry saying that he used to get kids to grab girls from the stands, bring them into the clubhouse, and have sex with them. And my question for you is, and Babs, has this ever happened with you two on the job? Wait a minute, grabbing their phones? No, no, no. They, they were... Daryl Strawberry used to get kids to go into the stands and bring women into the clubhouse and then would have sex with them what? during the game. I haven't heard that. Oh, yeah. It's, it's in the clubhouse, guys, though. Yeah, it's all, all oh, of them. Oh, man. So, so I, I haven't I, heard this one yet, so it's news to me. Yeah, so I've got that down in short order. Well, I, I need to know if, if you and Babs have ever engaged in this. Oh, um, you know, my wife and I, we've been together a long time, and we've done some crazy things on some beaches and interstates and a few other places, but no. Ballpark is our workplace. It's off limits. Okay, but, but like off the record. Off the record. Off the record? There's no such thing as off the record. <laughs> yeah, we'll, cut, we'll, cut, we'll cut this out. It's fine. <laughs> never, never, uh, never in a ballpark. People that have, I've walked in on, uh, I've walked in on one of my offices, Members uh, who just got married and I was shutting down the stadium. They thought I was gone. I walked in the radio booth and they were christening the uh, counter. I've caught a groundskeeper and a girl on the pitcher's mound well after the lights were out. They didn't know I was still in the stadium. I've caught fans in the stadium and whatnot. It, it happens, but uh, did it happen to the Rogers family? No. I uh, I will admit that there was some funny business happening in Huntsville, but that's off. But that's off. But that's off the record. That's off the record. <laughs> Buck, thank you uh, for coming on, Josh. Do you have anything left? No, I'm good. All right. Uh, the the only last thing we got is if you have any Spanish sports words of the day. Yeah, I have no idea. Josh, what do you got? I know you uh, always got one. Oh yeah. Uh, you ever around Spanish ball players? Venezuelan, Dominican. It doesn't matter. They just overuse the word tranquilo. Tranquilo. Yeah. Yes. Essentially, it just means chill or chill and like relax. Hey, Andriaga, how you doing today? Tranquilo, Pasqui. <laughs> I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm using that. I'm using that as much as possible. Yeah, or it, I mean, or if I'm yelling at a guy because you know he hasn't paid me his dues money, you know, I just hey, tranquilo, tranquilo. And that it, it doesn't matter. Just all situations, they just tranquilo. And that's your uh, that's your sports Spanish word of the day. That you just you just learned something. It only took you forty minutes, but you learned something. I'm gonna use it. <laughs> Buck, thanks for coming on. We'll uh, we'll probably post it this weekend, and uh, then I'll I'll tweet it at you so you can share it with everyone. And uh, if you have any other guests that want to come on here and talk a little sports talk, uh, we'll gladly have them on. That'll work. That'll work. You guys take it easy. You too, Buck. Thank you. All right, Buck. Thank you. All right, take care. Bye. Bye.